CEO because the other one's making, making me take medicine. And this kind of sets it up for an inward journey of examination. Let's watch the screens and we'll get into God's Word. Good morning. Good morning. 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 There we go. Good. I was waiting for the lights to come on. Lucky everybody went to sleep in that short time. It was just a quick meditation to go inward. This morning, I want to start with you in a little different way. Uh, Some of you like games and some of you aren't game players. Uh, I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm not really crazy about a lot. Some games I really like, some I don't. But we have a son-in-law now and he is a huge game player. So I'm becoming more and more of a game player. And my favorite game in the last three or four or five months has become catchphrase. If any of you played it, it's a great game. And I've already learned that some people in our church are extremely competitive. Men and women. Man, I can't believe there's one little girl in our church. I won't tell you her name. She can get feisty. But it's a fun, fun game to play. I'm just curious this morning to participate. What is your favorite game? Tell me. Rook. Baseball. That's a sport. Scrabble. Huh? Yahtzee. Monopoly. Okay, here's the deal. There was a game when I was young, I think it came out, so it's an old game. And when our girls were little, they used to love this game. And I want to share it with you this morning. This game, oh, it's so much fun. I think it's a Milton and Bradley game. See if you remember. Operation. Yeah. I love this game because, you know, you get those little bitty tweezers and you have those little hands and they're steady or they're not steady and you pull out the little body parts. And when you hit the side, yank, and some kids will go run, haul up under, jump up under their bed whenever it happens. It just scares them to death. They wet their pants. But And then as we get older, we supposedly have better eye-hand coordination and we can do it, right? Not. Well, I want to share with you why I shared this as an illustration. Operation is a fun game to play with your kids. But this morning, I'm asking God to come near in our sanctuary, in our living room, that he might do divine surgery, that he might do an operation on your heart and mind, that we will open our hearts under heaven and say, God, 
I need some surgery. I, I need something to be dealt with. And I promise you, if we're open this morning and transparent before a holy king, he will do a great work. I'm going to invite you right now, if you have a copy of the scriptures, if you would turn to Psalm 139. It's a very famous, famous uh, passage of scripture. There's a particular section there, verses 23 and 24, that I have particularly quoted, prayed, reflected on for years. And I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of the Lord Jesus Christ for the reading of God's word. You can stand and hold your Bibles. You can look on the screen. But I'm going to ask us all to do it together in unison. May we read the word of God. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. May be seated. That's God's holy word for us this morning. As you sit back down and get your pen out, I want you to draw a box around this scripture. 23 and 24, just draw a box. Then I want you to get your pen and I want you to draw a circle around the word Search me. Search me, oh God. Search my heart. I'm going to get you to go back to Psalm 139, verse 1, and he starts, Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and you know when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, oh Lord. In other words, nothing is hidden from him. God sees all. God knows all. He is the great God that he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's the great God that he's omniscient, that he is ever-present, that he knows everything. So he's an omnipotent God. He's an omniscient God. And he's that omnipresent God that he's always there. He's down the street, around the corner before we get there. He was with us in the, in, the, in the past. He's with us in the present. He's there in the future. There is nowhere that our God cannot go. Isn't that a comforting thought, church? But sometimes it's a haunting, disturbing thought to know that I can't conceal, I can't hide from God. And yet we will try to somehow not realize we're under the spotlights of heaven and we'll try to say, I'm going to pull this over on God. Much like a little kid hiding from a parent. And they think, oh, I'm, I'm hiding, and maybe the parent plays along. But I'll assure you, our Heavenly Papa, our Heavenly Father knows where we are. So God, put us on the divine table today. Do some surgery in our hearts that we can get clean and get right and get pure and get holy. Psalm 139, those, those verses 23 and 24. I hope you'll reflect on this week. Oh, God, search my heart, and then God, test my heart. And we'll talk about that as we move on. Because sometimes there's stubbornness and there's pride that keeps us from moving a little closer to Jesus. It keeps us from conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. So this morning, can we lay our hearts before Jesus and say, Lord, take the scalpel in hand, take the word, take the spirit, and do surgery in us, God. Lord, give us a complete evaluation. Do something in us today, oh God. And, oh, Lord, may we resign as John Almighty, as Susan Almighty, or whoever Almighty. God, may we resign, and may Jesus Christ be exalted as Lord and Master and King. This morning, I'm going to invite you to do something I've never done and may never do it again. This is a grace day. I want everybody to pull out their phones. 
Yeah, let's pull them out. Pull them out of your purses. Pull them out of your pockets. I put them out on a credenza whenever I come in because I never want to be distracted on Sunday morning. But today it's an illustration. So I want you to pull it out. Now I want you to hold them up and I want us to show one another. Yeah, hold them up. Come on. Yeah, look at here. And if you don't have yours today, it's out in the car or you don't have one, I'll still let you participate. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to set the alarm. You're like, oh, I'm watching this. Ten minutes and you're through, Bubba. Can you imagine all the alarms going off? Not bad idea. Not the illustration I wanted. I want you to set 316 on your clocks. 316 p.m. May I say again, p.m. If it goes off 316 a.m., you're going to curse me in Jesus' name, okay? 316 p.m. every day this month. I want it to go off. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but shall have everlasting life. I pray that the people you sit with, the people that you do school with, the people that you do work with, that you do life with, that you live with, that at 316 you will pray for those far from Christ. That you will pray that every day when this thing goes off at 316, you're saying, well, Keith, I don't have my phone. Set it. If you don't have a phone, set your clock, set your computer. But have an alarm go off. May there be hundreds of people today that their alarms go off for the next month at 316. And we use that as a simple witness for the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen? This message I'm preaching right now, Troy University will have this next Sunday. And I'm going to ask them, university students, they're going to drive each other nuts. They're going to be, their alarms are going to be going off. But I pray, God, could we do something greater than ourselves? Could we reach those far from Christ? And 316 is just a simple reminder. Plato was that great philosopher. He said some words. He goes, the life which is unexamined is not worth living. The life that you don't really scrutinize or you don't pay a lot of attention to is really not a full life. It's not living life to the fullness and the potential of God. So an examining self today could be summed up in two words. Write it in there. Search me there the psalmist said in verse 1 he said in verse 23 and 24 and all through he goes search me oh god sit me under the spotlight of heaven under your brilliant holiness and may the holiness of god scan and read our lives today god begin to speak god begin to search us i know in history the great titanic was a ship and the tagline was a titanic is the unsinkable ship ha 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 And we think that the Titanic sunk because it hit an iceberg, and that's partly true. But historians tell us as they did more history and more study on that, they said because of a subgrade 3 million iron rivets, they used a less less or grade to save some dollars, that when the pressures of that iceberg and the pressures of the water collided, the ship dismantled. It came apart. And here's what I want to use spiritually with us. When life, as I talked last weekend, the devil, when the devil, when life, when situations, when circumstances come toward you and I, do we spiritually unrivet? Do we come apart? The frozen waters of the Atlantic took those passengers of the Titanic that day. And I'm wondering how many waters or how many lives are being claimed this morning because of things, because how many are shipwrecked? Write this down. A lack of paying attention to details will cost us our lives. If we don't pay attention to the spiritual part of our life, 
we begin to unrivet. We begin to unravel. We are tested and we don't prove. Here's one. You begin to be flirtatious one. You begin to flirt with one that is not your wife, not your husband, not your girlfriend, not your boyfriend. And you begin to flirt. You go somewhere. You begin to entertain thoughts that you shouldn't have. You're on your way to drifting and being in trouble. You're an accountant or you're working with your business and you begin to cut the corner with your books. They call them you cook your books. You exaggerate your numbers. You do something that's not right and ethical and moral. You begin to drift and you begin to unrivet. Oh, it takes a long time to build a life and a reputation. 20 years, maybe 30 years, 40 years of life. But it only takes about two minutes and you can unravel the life that you've tried to build. But here's what I love. God loves you and I just the way we are. Take comfort. God loves you just like you are this morning. But he refuses to leave you there. He refuses to leave you in the state that you are today because he wants to press you downfield in Jesus Christ and somehow conform you to the image and shape you after the Son of God and that you become little Christ. You become like him. In Lamentations, the third chapter, the 40th verse, it says, let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. Let us examine. Let's look deeply into the ways of the kingdom. And let's test them against Holy Scripture. In Psalm 139 there, verses 1 through 6, he begins to talk about the omnipotence of God and how powerful God is. And that God sees all and he knows all. And there's nowhere we can go from his spirit. As he begins to uh, dialogue or, or talk to us in 7 and 12, he goes, I am the omnipresent God. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Nowhere. Everything is revealed under heaven. Even our dark, nasty secrets, even our dark sin, even our feeble attempts, even our glorious fruit, whatever happens under heaven, God sees and he knows he's in charge. And it gives me and you great comfort to know that God loves us and that he also judges us and he he wants to uh, uh, search us. This search here. It means that God flashes the light, like these lights on this stage. They, they begin to radiate whatever's on the stage. Well, the, the light of heaven, it shines like a great flashlight, and it shines on your life. But the thing is, it's that holiness. It's the character of God, undisputable, unshakable. And God begins to look at our lives, and he says, compare your life against my life, against the Son of Christ. And the the word search means to investigate thoroughly. It means to explore. It means to probe and go down deep. God wants to probe your heart and mind this morning. He wants to run a diagnostic check. And in this diagnostic check of the Holy Spirit, there's three things I want you to write that the Holy Spirit does. He convicts us of any dependence on anything other than Jesus Christ. If we're dependent on our our money, if we're dependent on relationships, if we're depending on whatever, God checks us. He convicts us. And then secondly, the Holy Spirit exposes sin. He exposes reliance that you and I might make on something besides Christ. And the third thing is he chastens. He disciplines us when we drift. Oh, praise God. When you and I drift, God chastens. He comes after us. He pursues us because there's an everlasting love, an everlasting father. And it's like, I don't want you to swim in the waters of headache and regret. I want you to come near in my son. I want you to come near in holiness. There's this uh, helpful approach to self-examination. There's a list of sins in the Bible. They're called the seven deadly sins. They're pride, anger, lust, envy, greed, slothfulness, and gluttony. 
And a lot of our sins, we can just put them up under that big seven. We go, wow, as the Spirit of God searches me, I'm guilty of five. I'm guilty of six. I'm guilty of all seven. Oh, pastor, I'm only guilty of one, but you're guilty. You see, in the textile industry, they test a fabric. And in the testing of the fabric, they want to know if it's durable, if, if it's going to hold together, if the threads are going to come apart. You know, when you spend more money on some clothing, you'll, you'll notice that some fabric just holds together like it never wears out. And there's other, other fabric that's cheap and kind of loose. Oh, God says, I want to test you and see if you're the real deal. It's like... Our kids, when they're 15, they have an opportunity to get a, a, a learner's permit. And we begin to test them and see if they have certain proficiencies and they drive. And then when they turn 16, they get to go for the full driver's license. And that's really scary in the church. And you begin in other states, they uh, increase it to 17 and even 18 in some other states. And I can't imagine that. But we test to see if we have proficiencies that we can be safe on the road. Well, here it is. God says, well, you do those things in life, but how much more I will test the heart. So let's look at point one. Let's examine ourselves. God, examine us, but Lord, help us to examine ourselves. We, A, we look at our relationship with him. God, I'm looking at my relationship with you. I want to see if it's right and true. If I'm hung up in religion, Lord, you're a thorough investigator here. So I look at my relationship with God. Go ahead and bring that up, guys. And he is a third, he, he's one that says, don't hide your sin. Because I already know what your sin is. I already know uh, where you've been. I know where you're going to go. I know what you're going to do. I know what you've done in the past. But is that relationship good? Is, is there connectedness? Is there, um, there's guilt. And a guilt is basically an IOU on the inside. I owe something to another. I owe something to God. And God says, I want to cleanse and purge and take away your guilt and your sin. Point B is you look at your relationship with others. You, you look around you. You look at your relationships. You, you look at your world, your family, your friends, your colleagues, your classmates, wh- whoever it is in life. And you go, is there unforgiveness? Is there grudges? Is there bitterness? And you have to let it go. Oh, God, examine us. Under the spotlight of heaven, God, search us and test us and see if there be any offensive way in us today. And in searching God, as I look at my relationship with others, it, it gets better, it, it gets right, and God, we, we want to have it right with you. It's like a, the best illustration I can think is a, is little kids, when they're little, they, they have this little device, they call it a sippy cup. You know what I'm talking about with a sippy cup? We all had them when we were little, or you've got your kids, or you'll have kids one day, and that little sippy cup, it has juice and it has milk. And early in the day, moms love to give that little sippy cup to the kid, and they have a little milk, and they run around, and you know, that milk starts off cold, and you know, then it gets a little later in the morning, and it gets late morning, and it's kind of like warm. And, and sometimes you're like, you're looking around the house, we've done this frantically for the sippy cup, and you can't find it. And about day one goes by and day two. And on day three, ah, uh, Eureka, I found it. You walk into the kid's room. The odor is putrid. You look in the play box and there is sippy cup. The milk is soured. Mold and bacteria is beginning to grow out from the play box. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's the way our sin is. Is putrid and sinful and wicked. And Christ died for the wicked. He died for the sinner. And God says, I, I, want, I want to examine your life. I want you to let your life be under me. I want you to let me look at it. I want to make it right with others. But I like point C. Look at your relationship with the church. You look at your relationship with God. You look at your relationship with others. But now you look at your relationship with the church of Jesus Christ. Do you love the church? I always brag on the church. And I'm convinced a lot of people don't love the church. They date the church. They're casual with the church. Let me tell you. 
I do a lot of premarital counseling I have for the last 30 years. And when I talk with couples, young girls are like, oh, he's marrying me. I, I got to. There's people here today. They have rings on their finger. And they, they make sure in this room they come and they sit in the right seat so the light can, oh, glory to God. You know what I'm saying? And they're not interested in just dating that bum till Jesus comes. Like, hey, make a commitment. Make a commitment. I want to know. Is this going to be the real thing? How about the church? Oh, I'm just going to be an attendee. I'm not going to give. I'm not going to tithe. I'm not going to serve. I just want to spiritually be a consumer. And let me just go ahead and confess it in the house of God. The house across America is becoming spiritual consumers. And it's time for it to stop in Jesus' name. Whoo! I'm preaching good now, okay? Some people didn't like that word, but I'm telling you, I love the bride of Christ. I'm privileged that I've gotten to give my life to serve it. Christ gave his life that I could have life and you life. Do you love the church? Are you looking there? You're saying, God, look at my heart. God, I love the church. Do you show the way you love the church by your regular attendance? Oh, you got me now. Can you look at your checkbook and your calendar and see that you're involved and you're giving to the church? Oh, you got me now, preacher. Hey, are you serving? Are you doing this? Are you doing? No, oh, oh, brother, just talk about the love of Jesus. Could you do that one more time? Tell brother Jason to come and sing one more song. No. Do you love the bride of Christ? Wholeheartedly. Or are we running at such a frenzied pace we don't slow down to take care of the bride? Oh, today is Valentine's Day. And men, are you taking care of your bride today? Okay. Women, are you taking care of your man today? I'll tell you what, we better have a marriage series after this one, man. Well, leading an unexamined life is the mark of this generation. God, help us to find that we need to get in tune with you. Let's look at point two. Confession means to agree. In the Greek, that's all it means. It means to come in agreement with, to come in agreement with holy God, to come in agreement with others. I confess honestly. I, I confess from a right heart. And verbally, I present myself, I present my sin, and I admit my need to him. That's what it is to confess. There's, there's power in confession. God is never surprised by our sin because we keep no secrets from him. But we get free. We get liberated when we begin to say, God, I'm not going to tuck away. I'm not going to conceal. I'm not going to hide my sin any longer. But I'm going to reveal it to you because the Holy Spirit has shined the light. He has searched my heart. He's tested me and I've been found guilty. I've been found sinful. God, help me. Point A is be specific, concrete, and particular. Be specific. See, God didn't want you and me guessing. He wants us to be specific. And as we sit under the light of heaven, God begins to, he begins to convict of sin. He begins to reveal exactly what it is. God, forgive me of that slander yesterday that I said about a brother. God, forgive me of that lack of self-control yesterday that I practiced. God, forgive me for not being patient with that one in the line. God, forgive me for this. God, forgive Do you know what I'm saying? See, I hate it, and I've done it. I hate when we pray, Lord God of heaven, forgive our many sins, for they are many. That's the weakest prayer I've ever heard. I already know you're sinful. I know I'm sinful, so let's get down to business. And the church said, well, I don't know about that, man. You you calling me out? Jesus is calling us out. God, forgive us, but we suffer spiritual ADD. 
attention deficit disorder we don't want to pay attention to the spirit to the spirit's promptings and when god reveals i i, I tell you one of the ways that i try to not suffer spiritual ADD. a journal i've journaled for almost three decades and i have different journals and some journals i just go real raw with abba and i confess the sinfulness of my life it's not very pretty do you have that place are you that honest with god do you go one-on-one with him oh i can sin with the best of them and i'm ashamed are you jesus search our hearts and see if there be any offensive ways surrender it's not so much that it's going to change the situation or the circumstance, but surrender is about God changing me, God changing you. God wants to change you. One at a time. In this fellowship, if God began to have his way, oh God, what would this fellowship look like? I'm sure different than it does. Point B, move from avoidance to admission. We will avoid sin at all costs. Are we there? I said, no, I'm running into sin. I'm head on, man. But when we begin to admit, to agree, and we come face to face with God, John Newton that wrote Amazing Grace says, Oh, I am such a great sinner. But oh, what a great Savior Jesus is. Amazing Grace. I love when we sing that song because it has the power of the gospel and it begins to liberate us. And, but some of us, once you fill in, we play the comparison game. So don't play the comparison game or the blame game. It's easy to always compare my life to another. Oh, if I just had their spiritual life, if I just had their car or their home, if I just had their joy, if I just had their gift to sing, if I just had this, if I just had their prayer life, if I just had this, and you get overwhelmed comparing May this morning, may you quit comparing and look to him and say, God, I don't want to compare myself with anybody but Jesus. And I fall short. The Lord put me on the track of everlasting life. And then the blame game, we just go, you know, I'm going to blame it on others. I'm going to put it off on them. I can't, you know, I can't control me. I'll see if I can control them. Oh, no, no, no. God, where we go, there we are. Have you ever noticed that? You know, where you are, where you are now and where you go, there you go with yourself. You, you ever, people like all the time. I'm going to get me a new marriage partner. I don't like this one. Oh, really? Did you know you going into the next marriage? And did you identify any of the garbage and junk in your last? Oh, no, but it's a new mate, baby. Uh-huh. I'm going to a new church, pastor. I'm going to a new church. Uh-huh. And have you dealt with any of the things in your life? Oh, no, I'm going to a new church. Hey, I'm going to have a new house. And when I go there, you don't even have to cut the grass at that house. Oh, really? You got concrete around your house? Oh, I'm going to go over there. See, we always want to put it off on somebody else. Like, no, God says, no, I want you to deal with it right here. So this morning, there's an investigative message in point C, and this, this is the hardest. Confide. Confide in a trusted brother. Confide in a trusted sister, one that loves you. One that loves you enough to tell you the truth, but one that cares deeply for your soul. They cry with you. They're broken. They care for you. I've often seen that uh, there are many people who will stab you in the back. And there are very few that will stab you in the heart in the love of Jesus. As they come to try to help you become more like Christ, because they're becoming more like Christ, they confront you in the love of Christ, and they present their life broken and messed up also. 
and you begin to have fellowship and you begin to encourage and push one another i'm encouraging us to find people to confide in to have a confidant and this is not one that you want to go find one that's going to put on the national Enquirer next week and this is not one that you want to be a gossip and a slander you want this to be a person that's a trusted friend you know i've often thought about when you look at uh et entertainment tonight and all these shows and how these stars have these big lives and these huge you know personalities and egos but my goodness everything they do is under scrutiny is exposure and i am nothing i'm a pastor at ryan road but i do have exposure a lot of exposure my kids grew up in a glass house and people throw rocks at it and personally i'm kind of tired of it. you want to know how i really feel you can talk to me later if you want to ask me about that but like, I, I have a little restaurant down the road here. You don't know it's a restaurant, but they have a restaurant. It's called Costco, okay? And I like to go down there about once a week, and they have these really cool-looking hot dogs, and they're like this long. We're about that long. And uh, and for and I, I have an order. I go in and I get a dog and kraut and, and a drink and a chocolate yogurt. $3.14. Best deal. Everybody can go, Pastor, we're going right now. If you'll just finish, we're over there in Jesus' name, okay? And I go over there, and I walk up to the counter sometime, and I walk in, and, and uh, there'll be a new clerk, and I go, duh, 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 314. He goes, you've been here before, have you? And the guy in the back goes, oh, yeah, he comes every week. Oh, we had this smart aleck person that used to go to our church, and we had a trial, and excommunicated him. No, not really. And her job, she thought, was to tell Donna what I was eating at Costco. Oh, Donna, come here. I mean, I'm walking there one day with my wife, just thinking we're going to have a big time, and she's I thought she was going to give her the right hand of fellowship. They were going to kiss and have greetings. I just want you to know, pastor's been eating unhealthy. Let me tell you what he's been having. Do, do, girl, I don't need you. Go on buying your business. Serve somebody else. I done told Donna I went to Costco and had a dog and that. You know what I'm saying? You all go with me. I took an elder over there one day. He ate two hot dogs. And that's all I'll say. Okay? But you see what I'm saying? We, you know, it, I'm telling you all that funny because like, you mean people talk? I mean, I go to other places and people tell me what I eat and what I do. I'm like, oh my goodness. Well, we're under the spotlight of heaven. Oh God, search my heart. Search our hearts, God. Investigate us. Show us where we're sinful. Show us where we've wronged humanity. Show us where we've wronged our brother, our sister, our wife, our husband, our kids, our boss. The ones that work for us. The ones that hang out with us. God, just show us. Help us to get clean, Lord Jesus. But I love what Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the great German theologian, he wrote the book, The Cost of Discipleship. It's worth the reading. You ought, you ought to buy it. It's a great book about pursuing God with a holy passion. And it'll come up. Many Christians are unthinkably horrified when a real sinner is suddenly discovered among the righteous. So we remain alone with our sin. We live our lives and lies and hypocrisy but he who is alone in sin with his sins is utterly alone so here's my thing we have an expression we use this word we want to do life together and part of doing life together is small groups and community but then there's another part that you draw into a really trusted friend and you confide and you go i'm embarrassed by my sin could I confess it to you as I confess it to Christ? And there's power. Now, how do I know that? I want you to write down James 5, 16. 
Because you're like, are we the Catholic Church? No, we're not the Catholic Church. But I understand the whole power of how they have the priests and the confession. But let me, let me show you. I, I want to show you where all this comes from. This, this is very powerful. Listen to it. Confess your sins to each other so that you may be healed. That's what we learn from our Catholic brethren. They got that part right there. Is they're confessing there. There's power. And when we confess sins to one another, we bring it into the light. We get free. You're like, oh, man, I, I want to stay in bondage. I want to stay back here. And Jesus is saying, step over the line. Come into the light of my life. Find a confidant and be victorious. If there's a stronghold, a sin pattern in your life today, you need to have somebody to confess it to. But we have an advocate. His name is Jesus. And it is the one that we confess and get our sins forgiven. But we confess it to our brothers and to our sisters. And and James knew that. (gasps) Breathe deep, my friend. Breathe deep and walk in the mercy of Christ. The awareness of sin here is to, to move us forward in Christ, not to just mumble. I like what John Ortberg said. He says, nowhere sin is concerned, but people just mumble. He basically, he's just talking about that we, we just kind of stay at our, at, at our state and we just kind of mumble about our situation. And if we start calling people out in sin, we just like avoid them. We're like, man, that's too spiritual. And James is saying, man, see, James is the most practical book of the New Testament. And he says, in your confession, there will be healing. In your confession, there will be freedom. You will be liberated from the guilt that you came in the room with if you confess your sins one to the other. It's like a red shirt and a white load of laundry. Our sin taints. And God wants to cleanse us and redeem us. And look at three quickly, acceptance. Do you like the man in the mirror? Do you like the woman in the mirror? When you stand there, women, and you put on your makeup, and you're getting all pretty for the day, and you... You know, you're doing all that, and you, big hair, little hair, whatever you're doing, and, and you know, pluck or whatever. Y'all, I don't know. Y'all do all kind of funny things. And, and men, we get in there, and we shave, and we say, man, this is all I got. And, uh, and you get ready. Do you like the person you look at in the mirror? You go, oh, man, pastor, I just love myself. I just give myself a hug every day. Not many of you do that. But you're accepted in the beloved, and you're loved deeply by Jesus Christ, and there's no secrets kept from God. Proverbs, the 28th chapter, the 13th verse, says these words. He who conceals his sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Oh, how I long for our fellowship to find mercy because we confess our sins to God. And we say, Lord, we won't prosper if we don't. It's like the trash compactor. I remember in the 70s, we got a trash compactor. My dad, we built this place at the lake and I'd never even seen one before that time and said, hey, we're putting a trash compactor in. It's going to be really cool because we don't have garbage pickup. And at the end of the weekend, we can take all the stuff and it'll be in a nice little bag. And man, I never will forget coming out of the lake, man, we'd have this nice little bag of compressed trash and bottles and cans and all kind of junk. And like, man, that is cool, dad. We throw it in the back of the truck and throw it out. It was awesome. I remember one weekend, it was my job to empty the trash compactor. I forgot. The next weekend, we rode up to the lake and I remember opening the back door. Oh, putrid, nasty smelling. Because by that time, the trash compactor had got a little older and it was starting to leak a little bit and the deodorizer wasn't working and that trash was rank. And I got a talking to. But here's the deal. Your sin and my sin is no different to Jesus. He wants to talk to us. Oh, God, search our hearts and test us today. 
and see if there be any anxious way within us and lead us in the everlasting way of life. So Lord, I confess my sin to you. The iceberg principle wraps it up this morning. We think the real you and me is above the waterline. It's sports and weather and houses and real estates and stocks and bond and superficial stuff. And it's all right here, right above the waterline. But below that waterline is where the real stuff happens. And we usually keep it hidden from one another. So this morning, this message, I know it's convicting. I know it's intense. I know people were visiting. You're going, oh my goodness. But it is my job to bring thunder. It is my job to bring fire. It is my job to bring conviction in the house of God. Hallelujah. Amen. And I'm not here to itch your ears and make you feel good. I'm here to help us be holy. The beauty of Christ is Jesus Christ came to save sinners. And the beauty of that is when we admit our sins and we say, Lord, I won't keep my sin tucked away any longer. So may we hear from the Lord as we confess our sin and may his grace abound. As the snow washed us this past week, it washed things white. And whiter than snow, the blood of Christ stains us this morning. Let's pray. Lord God, right now I pray that you're doing divine surgery. I pray that elders and people would move out to the sides and people would begin to move to the altar. They would begin to move of places of rescue, of places of deliverance. Maybe they sit in their chairs and I pray you would deliver people from bondage and from strongholds and from sin. And I pray that you would do divine surgery in our hearts even now, King Jesus. Lord, cleanse us from sin. Make us new and make us holy. Lord, you're awesome. We love you, Lord. Cleanse our hearts even now, Lord Jesus. Give us pure hearts and give us clean hands. Lord, do a new work of grace today, Father. And Lord, I just believe that you're doing some surgery that we need, that you're doing examination. And maybe there's one right now that's never called out to Jesus Christ. I I beg you in grace, I beg you to call out to Jesus. Lord Jesus, come near. Lord Jesus, save me even now. Come and dwell in my heart. Invade me by faith. Save my soul. Cleanse me by the blood. Cleanse me from sin and guilt. and Be my Savior and Lord. I give up. I trust you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that people are doing that across the room and they'll share that. They'll confess that with one another. I pray that we be quick to confess our sins to you and confess our sins to each other. Lord, build a church. Make the church all it needs to be, Father. And we love you, Jesus. In the name of Christ, amen.